Today we're going to finish up our series uh, that we've been going through called Be the Church, found from Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. <clears throat> and it is, is with a little bit of uh, sadness, actually, for me. I've grown rather attached to this passage as we've been uh, going through it and, and examining the things that the early church was committed to. And, and so it's kind of, uh, I'm a little sad this morning to, to be finishing up uh, this passage of Scripture. And uh, maybe you'll be thankful that we'll move on to something new and we won't hear the same passage. I'm not sure. But, but uh, it's definitely something I've, uh, I've really enjoyed studying and, and presenting to you all. Uh, so let's, let's read Acts chapter 2 uh, one more time. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And uh, I'd invite you, if you'd like to read along with me, please, please do so. Out loud. (laughs) They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a remarkable passage of Scripture. I love this. It shows us what that church was devoted to, that first church. And we talked about this, we reviewed this last week, but once again, let's, let's look at these things really quick. They were devoted to, to seven different practices uh, that I've identified from this passage. You might be able to throw another one in there that we're not going to have time to cover uh, in this series because I'll be gone next week. But that is uh, worship, the praising of God, and we'll save that for another time. Uh, but we will talk about that eventually. So if you thought I'm skipping it, we're not. We just can't include it because of time because we got Easter coming up as well uh, in our discussion. But these seven things that we've talked about from this passage, the things that they were devoted to, uh, teaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That was uh, right there front and center in everything that they did. They, they taught about Jesus. They fellowshiped together. They were committed to spending time together in community, kind of like what we do here on a Sunday morning, and uh, spending time together uh, with each other. They were devoted to communion, to remembering the sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross, what we just did here in communion ourselves around the Lord's table. They were committed to prayer, the communicating with God, devoting their, their attention to lifting each other up, to, to petitioning God with their requests, to communicating with him, to telling him about their day, about their needs, about their desires. They were committed to unity, remembering their common need for a savior. They were committed to generosity, to taking care of each other through giving of their time, their talent and their, and their monetary resources. And they were committed to living life together, to walking alongside each other, not just an hour for a worship service, but also through the week and, and spending time together in each other's homes and, and eating together and, and journeying through life together. And, and as a result, it says that something happened to this church. It says that God added to their number daily those who were being saved as a result of their focus on maturing this new group of Christian believers. Right after, remember, we've talked about this many times, but in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and he gives that first great sermon. 
And thousands of people responded. And so the church was born. And so all of these new Christian believers are there. And this early church was committed to maturing them, to helping them grow in their understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ, of, what he, of who he was, of what he did, and what that meant for them. Throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we see evidence of this blessing continuing. It wasn't just for this short little period of time in Acts chapter 2, a period of of days, weeks, maybe a few months that we read here in this chapter. Uh, But throughout the book of Acts, we see God's blessing returned to the church as they kept their commitment to him. So let's read a few of those this morning. I've I've used Acts chapter 4 over the last few weeks, a a couple weeks ago anyways. Acts chapter 4, where it gave a summary statement of of the next kind of section of the early church history. Well, throughout Acts, there's these little summary statements that that Luke, the the author of Acts, gives us. And and we see kind of some of the the results of the continued commitment to these things that we talked about. So we're going to read some of those. Uh, The next one is in Acts chapter 5. We've already read Acts chapter 4 a couple times, but Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, it says this. It says, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico uh, was... um, Kind of like the porch, a porch of the temple. Maybe you've seen pictures of uh, Roman architectural and the ancient architecture where there's the big courtyards, which was kind of the temple courtyards. And along the outside would be these columns. And there was kind of like a little porch underneath these columns. And often the church would gather under Solomon's porch, one of the porches within the temple. And so they were one accord. They were together, meeting together in that location. Verse 13. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. Here's the key verse. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Okay, so we see that the church wasn't stagnant. It wasn't just focused inward on itself and saying, okay, we're just going to, we're going to be together in a community and no one else can come alongside us, right? No one can enter in. They continued to focus on those things. But as they were doing so, God continued to bless them and bring new believers into them. And they welcomed them with open arms. And here in Acts chapter 5, we see that taking place, just like it did in Acts chapter 2. One chapter later, in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. This is remarkable because not only were we seeing new believers added from the general populace of around Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, but who else was added? Some of the priests, some of the religious leaders themselves were coming to know Jesus. They were being made aware of who he was and they placed their faith in Jesus themselves. This is remarkable. Well, Acts chapter 9 is the next one. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 And something even cooler is happening, in my opinion, here, because not only now is it focused on Jerusalem, but read this. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and and going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. Okay, So those first several summary statements in the book of Acts were focused in on Jerusalem. And how people were added to the church through the, through the Jewish community in Jerusalem. And the church was growing and growing and growing. And then along comes Acts chapter 9. And we see that the church now is starting to spread. 
Now, some things aided that, some persecution, which uh, took place within Jerusalem uh, by uh, Herod Agrippa. Uh, Some things helped get the gospel out there. But it says now in Acts chapter 9 that the church was spreading throughout Judea, throughout Galilee, and even Samaria. Uh, Samaria had a bad reputation. That wasn't a place where Jews liked to go. There was some, uh, some, some definitely some disagreements and, and how they viewed God and, and how they viewed each other going on there. But the church broke down walls and we see it growing even in places like Samaria. It continued to increase. A couple chapters later, Acts chapter 12, it says this in verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. The word of the Lord continued to grow. Okay, now this isn't saying that, that the, the, they were adding things to the Bible type of idea. The word of God, like they were, they were writing the Bible sometimes during that point, but that's not the point. The word of God here is referring to what do you think? The preaching of the gospel. Okay, the preaching of the gospel is growing, it's spreading, it's increasing around, and more and more people are hearing about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Four chapters later, in Acts chapter 16, we have another one. It says, so the church, the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. It's a similar idea. Okay, they were devoting themselves to certain practices, which we've been talking about. And because of this, the churches continued to grow. People were being strengthened in their faith and new believers were being added. Last one that we'll read this morning comes from Acts chapter 19, verse 20. It says, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. I love that picture. Right? It was advancing. The kingdom of heaven was advancing on this earth. And it wasn't being done just through, you know, through Billy Graham crusades, you know, great and mighty things like that. It was being done because people were committed to the things that we've been talking about, to teaching to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to unity, to living life together through generosity, through serving one another. These type of things, it was, it was through simple, basic uh, practices, things that we can com- complete today that the church was growing. What an exciting time in, in church history. It's an amazing time of growth as the church uh, was non-existent in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And it sprung into life. And that life flourished. It was an incredible time of growth. And I can't help but think that the Lord's blessing upon the early church was definitely a direct result of the things that they devoted themselves to. Which I mentioned just a moment ago. And I think that there is no reason that that same excitement can't be felt and experienced here at Southside today. We must trust that as we devote ourselves to the same focus to this, these same priorities, that first and foremost, God will be glorified. That his name will be lifted up and that his reputation will increase in our community just like it did within Jerusalem. So much so that even the people that were afraid to experience what was going on respected what was going on and looked at that community with awe and wonder. The people that were their enemies still respected what was going on there. There's no reason that as we glorify God through these same practices, that his name can't be made great here in our community. As we trust and devote ourselves to this same focus, we know or we hope and we pray that God will entrust us 
with new family members. That evangelism within this town will take place just as a result of what we're doing, just like what that early church did. And we trust that as we devote ourselves to these things, that God will help us grow in our own personal lives, specifically in how we live out and continue to carry on these practices. Now, does this sound familiar at all? That we trust that as we do these things, that God be glorified and that new believers be added to his kingdom and that we grow and we learn and we share together and we, we you know, mature. Those things sound familiar? Maybe because they're right exactly what we've based our existence statement on. That we glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples. I believe that we can have confidence in the expectation for growth here at Southside if we commit to the practices found in Acts chapter 2. And not that it's a formula. I'm not saying that we just plug in and if we, if one plus one it makes two, that if we do this it's just going to happen, that it's guaranteed, it's a mathematical equation. But that, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think that we find in this passage a blueprint for success, and especially when we look at the, and model what we do after that early church and how they glorified God through their actions. Now, we spent the last seven weeks talking about each of these individual practices. This morning, I'd look, like to look for a moment into the concept of expecting God uh, to respond to our faithful commitment. So this week, that's kind of our focus. We've looked at those seven things from Acts chapter 2 and 42 through 47. And it says that as a result of those things, God blessed them. And he added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I think that we can expect that same thing from God. That there's a biblical concept here of faith, right? That's what it really comes down to is faith. That as we do what God expects us to do, that he will honor that and he will bless us as a result. Does that make sense? Well, the principle comes from James chapter 5. I'm sorry, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. You might be familiar with this passage. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. See, God is telling us, excuse me, James is telling us that God wants us to ask him with expectation of receiving. He's saying when you, when you ask for wisdom, believe that he is going to give it to you and he will answer. Ask with belief. Don't ask with doubt. Ask with expectation. Pray believing that God will answer. I believe that this same principle can be applied to a lot more than just wisdom. But anything that we devote ourselves to in light of glorifying God. It's easier said than done sometimes, however. Even the early church, you know, we use them as an example and we've been using them as our model over the last seven weeks. Even they struggled with this right in the middle of this conversation that we're having. In Acts chapter 12, uh, an interesting story takes place. Uh, Peter gets arrested. Just a short time before, King Herod Agrippa had arrested James, the brother of Jesus. I'm sorry, the brother of John. And he had had him executed. And it made the Jews in Jerusalem very, very happy because they were getting upset with the growth of this new church, this new Christianity. And so King uh, Agrippa saw that it increased his uh, 
his favor with the Jewish people. And so he decided that, well, if, if it went really well with James, what will happen if I cut the monster off at the head, right? What if I go after Peter? And so he arrests Peter. And he throws him in prison. And, and, and the night before Peter is to be executed, something happens. Uh, an angel appears to Peter in his jail cell. And he releases him from his chains. And he delivers him from, uh, from the, the prison cell. And uh, he sends him on his way, and, and Peter sneaks back through town to the, the house where the new believers, the leaders of the church, are meeting. And he knocks on the door to let him, let, uh, let the, him in, and uh, a girl answers the door. And she looks up, and she sees it's, it's Peter, and she's like, holy cow, it's Peter. And she runs back to tell everybody, forgetting to let him in. And so he's standing out on the street uh, in danger, uh, waiting. And, and so the girl runs back into the house and she, she tells everyone, Peter's out there. Peter's out there. Now, the people happen to be gathering at that moment for a purpose. And that purpose was to pray that Peter be delivered. So when she comes running and she says, everybody, listen, the, Peter is standing outside the door. Everyone looks at her and says, what? Exactly. You're crazy. Peter, we know Peter's in prison. Uh, there's no way he's standing outside the door. And she's like, well, no, come, let's go get him. And, and she brings him in. And the people, it says, the people are astonished. So I'm going to read that. I forgot. I should have read it. I got caught up in the story. Uh, let's read a little portion of that from Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Right. (laughs) Verse 16. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Okay, so the early church struggled with this sometimes, too. Their whole reason for meeting that night was to do what? Pray that God deliver Peter. And when God answered that prayer, they were astonished. They were surprised. These are the same people that had seen Jesus rise from the dead. The same people, many of them, who saw him walk on water and perform miracles. Some of the same people that had seen Peter and James and John and those guys perform miracles and heal uh, crippled people. And yet they were astonished when they saw him. Now, thankfully, we have lots of other examples in Scripture of people who trusted God in faith. One of the most famous of those is found in Genesis chapter 22, where we see the story where God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. You might remember this story. In Genesis 22, we see God give Abraham this directive. Go up on the mountain. Prepare an a, a, um, altar and sacrifice your son upon it. And Abraham, the next morning, wakes up, gets his stuff together, grabs Isaac, and heads up on the mountain. Isaac notices that there's nothing for a sacrifice. So he questions his father. In verse 8, it says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went out together. Abraham, from the moment that God told him to sacrifice his son, trusted that God would provide. In verse 15, it says this, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, 
that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, what happened? The thing I didn't mention in that story, that as Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his son, the Lord provided. So in Abraham was willing. And as he lifted that knife to kill his son, he was still he still knew that God would provide. And it wasn't until that last second when Abraham was proving to God that he would sacrifice his son, that God said, stop, look over there. And there was a a sacrifice, a ram caught in a bush. And God provided, and Abraham trusted. Another story we see that's uh, similar to these is found in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus uh, is separated from his disciples for a while, and they're out on a boat, and he comes to them walking upon the water. And Peter is in the boat, and and he he sees Jesus walking across the water, and he's not quite sure, they're not quite sure, is that really Jesus? And he says, Lord, if that's you, then let me come to you. And so Jesus says, come, Peter. And so what does Peter do? He jumps out of the boat, right? Now, he walked toward Jesus, and, and as soon as he took his eyes off from Jesus and he, and he worried about what was happening around him, the storm and the water and the waves, he began to sink. But he stepped out of that boat, right? He showed his faith. He kept, when he kept his eyes on Jesus and he trusted that God would provide a way for him to get to Jesus, amazing things took place. Living in confident faith, expecting God to work in our lives as we commit our ways to him is not always easy. Sometimes it is. When, when things are going well, when, when uh, there's no troubles in our life, it, it becomes pretty easy to, to trust God and to, to believe that he is blessing us because we're, we're feeling those blessings around us. But sometimes when life is rocky, it becomes a little bit more difficult. You know, here at Southside over the last year, we've experienced both those ups and downs. We've known the good and we've known the bad. But through it all, God has been faithful. God has been amazingly faithful to us and he has continued to hear our prayers and to answer them. He has continued to love us and to help us grow. He has continued to help our ministries be effective in the changing of lives and drawing new lives to him. Let's have a confident expectation that God will continue this and he will continue to do amazing things through the lives and the ministries of the people here at Southside. So this morning, with that understanding that God can and will continue to bless us, if we commit uh, ourselves to the same things that that early church committed to, to the teaching, again, to the, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to those things that we've been talking about over seven last seven weeks, we need to, with that understanding, we need to do a few things. And really it comes down to prayer. So I have a few things that I'd like you to write down this morning. Things that I'd like you to commit to praying for this body. I'd like to ask that you pray for all the people that God may direct our way. How are we accepting people that are new into this family? How are we reaching out to the people who don't know about Jesus? Is this become, has this body, has this family become a social club or a clique where we protect those within 
but we don't accept those from the outside? I hope not. May that never be the case. But I can tell you that if we don't keep that on our mind, it can become a danger really quickly. So we need to be praying for how we handle, how we accept anybody who comes our way with their issues, with their problems, with their good and their bad. How are we reaching out to new people? How are we including those who come to our body? Because that's a blessing from God, right? Let's be praying about how we handle that situation. How about this one? Are you praying for our future? Pray for our future. We have an amazing future ahead of us. Just in general, as Christians, we have, we have an amazing uh, something to look forward to, right? We have heaven together. But in, in the meantime, we look forward to seeing what God is going to do through Southside here on this earth. So, for example, our future ministries. Pray for our future ministries, for our current and future ministries. What are we not doing that God would have us do? What area of our community, what outreach are we not offering that we could be? Hey, be praying for that because uh, we don't want to start praying for something when we start it, right? If we started a new ministry here at, at Southside, we don't want to start praying at the moment we launch it. Okay, we need to be praying now for the things that we haven't even thought of that God is going to lead us to. So pray for our future ministries. Pray for our current ones and how we can strengthen them and help them to grow. Be praying for our future staff. Okay, a growing church is a, staff, is, a, is a church that will continue to add staff because the demands of the ministry are great. For example, I'll give you one to be praying for right now. With the uh, staffing kind of issues that we've had over the last year, we've lost positions that need to be filled. And so some of us, like Jamie Lambert, are, are stretched very thin. And he has a lot of responsibilities in the teaching and the leading and the management of this body. Uh, but he's also overseeing our, our youth department. And it's stretching him very thin. So where, where is God leading us in our youth department? We need people who, who are committed to that. We need people who are, devote their life and their uh, livelihood to our youth. So be praying for that here at Southside. What is our next, uh, next staffing needs after that? Be praying for those things. How about our future building? We have a beautiful 12-acre piece of land. 12? Almost 12 acres of land out on Airport Way. Right? Good enough. Airport. (laughs) 12, thank you. 12th Avenue and Airport Road. Kind of in between those two. Right? We have 12 beautiful acres waiting to be used for the glory of God's kingdom. And there's going to come a time in the not-too-distant future where we begin our efforts to raise money. And our generosity is going to be uh, tested. And there's going to be a time when, when we start to see things being built out there. And how are they going to be used? Is it going to be just a, a badge on our shoulder that we have a new building? Or is it going to be that this is a great opportunity for lives to be changed and people to be reached for Jesus? But again, if we start praying for this... In five years, in ten years, when the building is completed, then we've missed an opportunity. We've missed a great chance for God to lead us in this process. So being praying now for these things, for our future ministries, for our future staff, for our future building projects. And as we do those things, as we understand that as we commit ourselves to the things that we've been talking about, That God's going to bless us and he's going to help us to grow individually, but he's also going to help us to grow in our numbers, in our ministry growth, 
in our building growth. And then as we understand that, we just need to live that out in faith and trust and belief that God will bless our future. Can I think that God has a great plan ahead of us? He has a vision in front of us that, that he's just laid out for us. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen as a result. And I just pray that you all as well will, will kind of jump on board to the vision that God's given us. Because it's a grand one. And it isn't to build, right? And it isn't to grow and have great numbers. It's to glorify him. And he'll take care of all the rest of that stuff. So let's pray and ask for his blessing upon these very things. God, I'd like to lift up right now to you our future. Father, we know that as we commit ourselves to you first and foremost, that the future will take care of itself. But Father, we want to be on board with what you have planned for us. And we want to be on board with, with where you're taking us, whether uh, it be a, a grand building or uh, a tree that we meet under. We know that you can be glorified through both of those things. And Father, I just pray for our future staffing needs, for, for ministries that as they grow, they need supervision. And I pray, Father, that you'll lead us to the right people at the right time in a way, again, that glorifies you. I pray, Father, for the individual ministries here at Southside, that each of them will, will focus in on the tasks that they are given in such a way that honors you and builds people up. Father, we just pray that you will keep that mission statement in front of us always, that we glorify you through making and maturing disciples. And, Father, please help us to live lives of faith, modeled after that James chapter 1 passage. And we ask you, Father, right now in faith, that you bless the future of Southside. And we give you our future. And we give you our plans. And we pray, Father, that you just use us in them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I have a couple take-it-homes for us. The first one is to memorize Philippians 2.2. 2. Uh, this, this, well, let's say it together. Do we have it? Hopefully we have that slide. Yes, excellent. I'm, here we go. Let's say it together. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Philippians 2.2. 2. You got one more week. All right, to get it down. <laughs> uh, memorize that. Really, really take that to heart. That says so much. I, I, I almost want to keep it and carry that verse over for next month just so you have to memorize it. <laughs> next one. Pray for Southside's commitment to the practices of Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Yeah, I didn't mention those ones but in, in that list of things to pray for. But let's be devoted to the right things. See, having a, a great building... A new building that holds lots of people is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But that shouldn't be what our commitment is to. Our commitment isn't to building a new building. It's to doing the things that God's called us to do. To teach, to share together, to be generous, to serve each other, to pray, those type of things. Ask for the Lord's guidance in our future planning, staffing, and building decisions. We need that prayer. Because that prayer is, is what attunes us to God's will. And it's what helps us submit our will to his. So be praying for those things this week.